welcome to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits with a big idea who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anke Herman and I'm your host. My guest today is a San Francisco-based personal trainer with a business background who helps other personal trainers make sense of the numbers by explaining financial concepts using fitness vocabulary. And he's the author of For the Fit But Poor Personal Trainer, a guide on how to train money, not muscle, to grow. Welcome Nelson Toriano, or Coach Nelly Toriano. Hello, Nelson. I'm excited to yes. have you here. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm very well. Uh, well, let's just dive straight in. Let people know where you're Great. And, and yeah, Great. what do you do? What's your business? Okay. Yes. All right. My name is uh, Nelson Toriano. Um, I also go by the name of Coach Nelly Toriano on social media. Um, I am a personal trainer, a group exercise instructor, and I, but I graduated with a master's in business administration. So kind of a weird foray into the personal training world and the exercise science world if I'm coming from a business background. Um, I graduated from the University of San Francisco in journalism, so I ended up finding myself in writing, but I always had an interest in business. Um, I just love accounting and finance and marketing, but and around 2003, I started taking uh, group exercise classes over at the local gym and fell in love with things like kickboxing and weightlifting. I just love being active and fit. Um, I'm based near San Francisco, so there's an area where the, the tech hub called Silicon Valley. So I'm right in the middle of it. And if for any of the listeners who knows, Silicon Valley is the tech epicenter for all of the companies, but it also has the highest cost of living in the United States. So I'm just going to put that out there because you, that will be a reference for entrepreneurship is that cost of living will get you. Um, so since I live here, it's rather easy to have fallen into the tech industry. So I spent about 10 years um, in all various aspects of sales and marketing, um, eventually find myself into a specific role called search engine optimization, partnering up with the Google and the LinkedIn and the Yahoo's at the time. Um, spending about 10 years and worked my way up the corporate ladder at the same time, still going to the gym. Um, and also as my side hustle, um, I was uh, getting more certifications to teach group exercise, um, got my personal training certification, and said, so, you know, this is more of a hobby. It's just, it's just fun. Fitness is fun. Um, until that 10th year mark in tech, that's when I started feeling it's, um, I'm not fulfilled. And there's something about this, this career path where um, I was earning great money and I was working with people I love, but it just wasn't fulfilling anymore. It was constant grinding. It wasn't even a nine to five. Only, my days were maybe 12 hours because I was taking calls in India. Um, it was the constant work and it ended up feeling like the rat race. So it was that typical story of, you know, it's a great job, but there's something in my heart that's telling me, you know, there's something more, a contribution of, of experiencing the world. So there was this opportunity to take over a gym in a management role, um, and after a lot, I would I would probably say I spent about three years debating whether or not I should switch careers. Um, but when the opportunity came up, somehow the universe told me at that time I should take it. And also, I was, all my friends were saying you should you should take the risk. You actually have a talent for this. So 
I switched careers altogether. And so I went um, into fitness and personal training full-time, still having a business background part-time. So on the side now, I was doing advertising and marketing, helping small businesses. Um, and I've been doing full-time uh, fitness for about six years now. Um, one of the biggest challenges, and I did it, I theoretically knew it, but in reality, I didn't, was the total differential in cost. <laughs> um, the pay is significantly lower whenever you leave the tech industry. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I took that significant pay cut, so, but I knew my heart was in it, so I was hustling a whole lot, getting the clients, getting more clients, and eventually I worked my way up to um, an income level that was only about 10% lower than what I was earning in tech, so it wasn't, it was, I wasn't doing too bad. Um, the hours were just as long, but the experience of being on my own as an entrepreneur, as independent, was way different. Um, I was working my passion, and when you're working in your passion, you're in that flow. I was definitely in that flow. It, was, it wasn't occurring as work. Um, over time, I was accumulating hours, um, and then I had another opportunity for uh, actually a personal trainer from my past came back into my life. And now we have a startup company together. And so we focus on corporate wellness services, going back into these tech companies and helping them with human resources and helping them with um, fitness and wellness programs and offering classes. Um, so that was kind of an interesting segue back into the world I once just left. So I'm back in the tech world, but in a totally different capacity. Um, then there was, there was something that in, 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 in when I started looking at my background and especially looking at my colleagues, there was also a total difference into the skill sets. So since I come from a business background, assuming um, management roles is pretty easy, talking to other managers and talking to executive managers in the company and the fitness companies, um, it came like second nature to me. But a lot of the personal trainers and fitness instructors who I was working with, my colleagues, and especially my colleagues who are younger than me, don't come from that vocabulary. They came from sports medicine. They came from kinesiology. They didn't come from entrepreneurship. So their mindset when it comes to handling their careers was only limited to how many classes can I teach and how many personal training clients can I obtain. Um, so they would always be, at the end, financially struggling. Again, living in Silicon Valley, being financially struggling can make the difference if you're going to stay here or you're going to relocate altogether. It is hard. Um, so I started just from my observational research with my colleagues and the, and the total different mindset between them as well as people who have a business background. I mean, the, the, it couldn't be any more clear that the need for financial literacy, the need to understand how money works was ever more important when it comes to their background. So they're... A lot of the personal trainers and fitness instructors I work with are very book smart in terms of the sciences, but when it comes to actual entrepreneurship and how to make it in this world, how to develop their own career, they, don't, they do lack a lot of the awareness of how money works. So this is where Coach Nelly Toriano, that startup company, came about, and this is where I wrote my book. Um, the book is called uh, For the Fit But Poor Personal Trainer, A Guide on How to Train Money, Not Muscle, to Grow. And so the I context, that. I love the title. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. It caught a lot of people's attention. And when I started writing it, to be honest, the, the, I was sitting on the idea for about three months, but the sitting down process took about six months and the editorial uh, um, timeframe was about two months. Um, so now it's available in paperback ebook and the audible version should be available in the next week or so. Um, 
But from the early reviews, I was handing it to people who I work with. A lot of the feedback was, I wish I had this when I first started my career. I, I wish someone had told me things like taxes, how to calculate cost of goods sold, how to incorporate the cost of my certificates, how to look at a net income statement or a net worth statement, um, and taking these business concepts, but most importantly, taking um, these business concepts, but explaining it to the mindset of a personal trainer. When you work in fitness, you're working with people who are more tactile in their learning process. So when you're talking about numbers and, and they're not necessarily auditory type of learners, you have to use the vocabulary that they're used to. So taking business concepts and explaining it, then this is when you're taking, like think of a business in terms of a body. There's all <laughs> yeah. these different functions. There's accounting, there's marketing, there's, there's, fine, and there's executive management. When you look at the body, there's all these different muscles, but in order to have a successful, well-balanced, well-functioning body, every single muscle has to be optimized for a particular movement. Same thing in business. So you have to have a well-working legal department to make sure your business is legally set up, but also understanding the financial ramifications that if you were to commit yourself to entrepreneurship, you're going to be paying a lot of fees. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you have to pay to the government, to the local government. And it also, it depends on, to the personal trainer also, what I also uh, uh, found out was personal trainers have that mindset that there's only one way to generate revenue is uh -huh, to sell clients. Yeah. Yes. There is not. In reality, when you enter an entrepreneurship, no matter what discipline you choose, your career path, the funny thing is I have to explain to people, nowadays, the, the next generation of entrepreneurs have more outlets because when I start, first started, there was no such thing as social media. There was no such thing as social uh, uh, influencer. And the startup cost in order to be an online brand was significantly higher back then than it is now. Yeah. So a lot of the entrepreneurs that are coming up, especially people who are younger than me, have a unique opportunity. They have more opportunity than I ever did. Um, so I see these personal trainers who are launching themselves into podcasting, into books, into um, what is into online coaching and to developing themselves into their own brand. So getting that mindset to think a little bit bigger, think about entrepreneurship, there's going to be one more than one way to develop income for yourself. Absolutely. Um, all at the same time, staying true to your passion, staying true to contribution and helping another person be well, to be fit. Um, so my ultimate goal and my vision was to supplement the fitness industry with education. I feel that it's lacking in order to support personal trainers to develop a sustainable career. That's fantastic. That's there is just so much in there. It's like, ooh, where am I going <laughs> to oh, go? Oh, good. <laughs> where am I going to go first? <laughs> okay. So basically what I'm hearing is you left your career in tech I'm going to come back there as well because I left a career in tech. So, um, yes. To go into the fitness world, but while you're there, you discovered a niche, a need for a service mm -hmm. that you can fill. Yep. That allowed you to bring in the experience and the knowledge you had to really help people yes. who are sort of doing the same thing. So you almost. And I find it's, a, it's, such, it's usually the most powerful place to get to or to, to, to come to a place where you can bring in all of you. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Is it, it was, something that I noticed also when, like, when I left tech, you know, it was like, yeah, and I know the calls with India. <laughs> <laughs> they are late. Oh, yeah. And they are frustrating. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so absolutely. So, so to sort of say, well, okay, you know, change tack completely. You know, you went into fitness. I went into creativity, sewing, like my mm -hmm. first venture, I started off with the sewing business and it was like, stuff all that. I'm going to do what my heart wants. Right. But then after a while, there is a yeah. the sense. I'm not just the dressmaker, you know, there's so much more I can bring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. that's exactly that same development and saying, say now a lot of my clients are people who build a sewing business. Funny that, yeah. isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, absolutely. It's because there's the tech coming. Google. Google. <laughs> and I've got this on on airplane mode. That's incredible. Ah, uh, no te preocupes. <laughs> ah, hablo español. <laughs> <laughs> Estoy practicando. <laughs> ah, bueno, ya sabes a dónde. I love that seeing that same sort of a similar development in the sense that all of a sudden there, there was this opportunity that allowed you to help other people in that space with Absolutely. experience that, that, that you had elsewhere. Because I think it's something what you were saying about people in the fitness industry, they're really good at what they do, but they don't know how to sell things. Mm -hmm you know, and, and, manage mm -hmm. and run mm -hmm. a business. And I've definitely, I see the same with people who start like a sewing or creative business. They're passionate mm -hmm. about the creative thing. And I see the same in the world of coaching right. as well. There's loads of coaches. They're great coaches mm -hmm. and they can't sell the thing, you know, and it's because mm -hmm. it's that exactly. whole business mindset. And do you find, I'm curious about the financial literacy because there's, there's, it's a whole, whole world that opens up. It's like, you know, once you open mm. the tin, you know, there's just so many, so many paths you can go. And you mentioned like the tax yeah. and the, the actual budgeting and, and not ignoring all like costs that you don't normally think about. Mm -hmm. What about sort of in, in, in like, how do I say it? Like the money mindset in that sense of, of charging, you know, because that's something mm -hmm. that I've come across a lot. And I must say, I struggled with this big time when I first started with sewing business, that mm -hmm. sense of like, oh, you know, I'm new here. I can't really charge that much, you know, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. then you basically don't charge enough because, and then if somebody questions or challenges your price, it's so easy to take that personally and then kind of feel rejected and whacked around the head. And, you know, so that mm -hmm. whole, how, do, do you find that with, with, um, personal trainers that there Absolutely. is a sense of like oh you know but if somebody says well that's expensive i can get that cheaper somewhere they immediately like shrink back Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's so just in the topic of pricing alone, and this is going to be regurgitated from everything that I learned in my graduate degree. Um, there is no fine answer, and it really does have to be a negotiation between the customer as well as you. Um, what I have found was there's a lot of personal trainers out there who will overprice themselves 
and there's almost, uh, for lack of better words, there's a level of arrogance um, and say that I know how to do this, I know how to get you, I know I can promise you certain results, so I'm going to charge you this much, or I deserve a whole lot. It's about I, I, and I, rather than a contribution, and to look at other personal trainers from the lens of the customer. From the customer, you are one of many choices that the customer can work with. And so they're always going to be assessing you, well, I just kind of want to do a workout or I have a specific athletic performance I'm training for. They're, those are the ones who are going to be willing to pay you top dollar. Um, I first advise personal trainers to take a step back. Instead of looking at that myopic viewpoint of that individual customer, take a look at where you need to be about six months from now or about one year from now. Look at your overall revenue and then start working backwards because that will tell you how much money you need to make based on month, based on quarter or, or week. Um, and then divvy up that between, do you need all your income coming from personal training clients one-on-one? -on -one? Maybe you could do classes. Maybe you can sell product and stuff. So you wouldn't have to be so burdened about maximizing one particular cell. You can actually map out all the different sources of income so it wouldn't be so much pressure on you and that one client. Then when you start figuring out that number, you start working out backwards, okay, and establishing what is your prices for this particular service, which is personal training, this number would make sense in relative to other personal trainers with similar experience. Um, when I first started, since I was brand new, I had to underprice myself. There, I cannot compete with someone who has a four-year degree, who has tons of certifications or um, my manager has like almost 2,000 hours under his belt of personal training hours and I had like maybe 50 <laughs> so i have to be i have to be underpriced yeah so i was a total novice um i also have to position that the decreased price is also a value offering to that customer also say so, you know i have i'm way more flexible i have all the availability in the world <laughs> also um so how about we work out with you know for about 10 sessions if you want if you like that um you know we'll talk again about what the next package is and you could be in a better state to negotiate now that the person understands your value offering i advise personal trainers you're never going to get your prices right the first time you just won't it's always going to be an ongoing adjustment process but aim to do your best for that given year and then around the end of the year, let your customers know that in the following year that you might be raising your prices about a moderate amount, five to 10%, depending what the price point is. Um, but have that mindset that to avoid so much pressure on trying to get that number right, think of the bigger picture of your overall revenue. And then you start working out backwards. Um, once you get that you know, credibility to your name, then of course you can charge higher. Then there's going to be the little other things that, you know, different service offerings. Maybe you can charge a little higher during peak hours, which is always going to be first thing in the morning or late in the evening after their hours. Um, incentivize with different programs. Um, you know, if you buy 10 sessions or 20 sessions, I'll discount it by 10%. And then you can play around with those numbers at that. But take the pressure and alleviate a lot of that off of the first get-go. Oh, absolutely. And I love how you, how you point out that, constant uh, adjustment because I don't know I often compare like the whole building a business but also individual sort of challenges like pricing or what to offer whatever it's it always reminds me of of a, like a software project 
you know, where, mm-hmm. where you basically, okay, there's this whole idea and okay, now let's just plan the first iteration. And then that just, yeah. okay, you have an idea, you think, I, I think this is how it's going to work. I think this is what people, but yeah. that's your assumptions, you know, yeah, that's exactly. just your theory. And then all you, what you, the only way to find out whether you're right about that is actually just, well, do something, you know, yes. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. And it doesn't even matter so much what you do. It's like, put something out there and then you get the feedback and you think, Oh yeah, I was right about that. And I was like, Oh God, I was totally off here. And yeah, exactly. Adjusting because it like, yeah. you can't, there's often, there's so often that, that, that idea that, Oh, you know, I need to get this right first before I can put it out. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't exactly. get it right until you put it out. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And, and if somebody, well, what I thought was what was thought was really interesting that you say personal trainers have this tendency to sort of overprice. That's that's interesting because mm-hmm. coaches underprice, creatives underprice. There's always that I don't know will they pay? And the idea of somebody challenging your price is this will. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, as you said, it's like it isn't even like it isn't even about you. Exactly. You know, exactly. it's about the value the other person receives mm-hmm. and perceives. Exactly. It's about exactly. you know, and it's a, it's really more about them. Exactly. It. Um, I have seen a lot of uh, personal trainers. I've seen yoga instructors overprice themselves. Say, you know, I put in two hundred hours, at five hundred hours, and I expect more than two hundred dollars per hour. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are. You can. I understand having self-confidence and having your credibility, but you can also price yourself out of the job altogether. So you are walking that fine line. Um, a better, more conducive mindset, it has to be a win-win for yes. the customer as well as you. Um, but for the most part, you went into business. And, and, and by the end of the book, and I, and I want every personal trainer, fitness instructor to remember that we're in an industry to help people be healthier. To, we're, we have a mission in order to increase the wellness of people. So if your mindset isn't there and your mindset is on how much I can get out of the customer, you've entered the wrong industry. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and it's yeah. very much the same with, with like holistic healers and coaches and all that sort of helping industry. And mm-hmm. like I, what you just said was, oh, I, need, I deserve, you know, I've had this training and I deserve 200 bucks an hour. That's something I very often see in, in groups for, for people who, who sew like dressmakers who sew for others, you know, and they always, mm-hmm. always get frustrated because there's this sense like, you know, I've spent 30 years learning how to do this and I've got all these qualifications. So my little baby dress will cost 200 bucks, you know, mm-hmm. and then they're mm-hmm. kind of like all frustrated or they feel insulted if a potential customer says, well, actually I can get the dress like that for 10 bucks. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, but because nobody cares about your qualifications or, or about how long it took you to learn the stuff, what they care about is what it's worth to them. So that's really, yeah, exactly. How can you offer a service that is of value to your client so that they see, you know, like, I don't care what this costs. I've got to have it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you, if you can, if the, any seller can be in the shoes and be in the mindset of the customer, it would be really, it would be significantly easier to see what the need is and then price accordingly. You know? Yeah. 
Because that's the thing. It's like if you look at flights, you know, you can get a flight for whatever, uh-huh. 100 bucks. And then if you want to get home for Christmas Eve, you know, you might have to pay a lot more because yeah. it's you value it. It doesn't like all of a sudden that date is important. And then yeah. that's when people are prepared to pay more. So, and I think exactly. to sort of shift that whole discussion from what I want, what my qualifications are to what is my service worth to my client? Exactly. That's where you have to look at. Exactly, exactly. And it's the um, same for creatives or, or healers mm-hmm. or, or fitness people. Like It doesn't really matter who it is. Does it, it? Yeah, and, and especially in nowadays, when you take a look at competition, competition in the consumer's mindset is not just another person looking at another vendor. They can find information online. They can do it on themselves. They can create themselves. They, they don't even need to work with a person. Um, in Silicon Valley here, it's very common for um, the tech companies to offer free gyms to their employees. So a lot of the commercial gyms and a lot of the boutique gyms and personal trainers, their new competition now is the company's free benefits. So you have to think that mindset also, according to the consumer, they don't even have to pay an extra membership fee. They get it for free at their job. So it's yeah. understanding everything that goes into the consumer's mindset. But I think it's it's the same everywhere. You know, it's like, it's yeah, everywhere. you know, yeah. I think, okay, hotels have to reinvent themselves with yeah. Airbnb. You know, and correct, have, correct. taxis have to reinvent themselves with Uber. And, you know, it's like yeah. you forever have to reinvent yourself and you can't just sort of sit there and, and you know, and, and feel sorry for yourself because now all of a sudden something has changed. So, exactly. you know, it's, if there's, I don't know, like even online courses, when you're thinking, I mean, they weren't even, they didn't even exist 10 years ago. And now they're yeah. already like, well, you know, unless you offer some sort of personal help to implement it's like Mm -hmm. information like you can't even charge for information anymore yeah it's everywhere now you charge for the service of filtering it Mm -hmm. exactly now you charge for for saving them from information overload (laughs) exactly i mean i can find information easily on my phone any time of day i mean and and it's it's so easy accessible information is everywhere um but Exactly. Trying to get that personal trainer to think beyond, think bigger, and also most importantly, think in the shoes of the consumer. Yeah. Um, a lot will be answered right there. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's that I, I'm just like amazed how like everything you've been saying, you know, for personal trainers. You can pop in photographers, exactly. you can pop yeah. in, you know, consultant, you can pop in kind of anything in there mm-hmm. because the, mm-hmm. the fundamentals, the fundamental principles are the same. Exactly. I and was, um, yeah. I was sharing um, my book um, and my thought process with, with some of my students and my students don't come from fitness backgrounds. One of them was a psychotherapist and mm-hmm. she said, it applies in my industry also. We get uh, psychotherapists relocating because a lot of the information um, is accessible. Um, so a lot of people, uh, and there's a whole movement and discussion on mental health and whether people can self-diagnose <laughs> and, or find um, uh, other treatments available. But she said, even in the uh, psychotherapy world, a lot of therapists are very book smart, but they don't understand how to develop their own practice. And that's really how you develop your career is that you have to constantly get clients, but also have other sources of income as well. You, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to be self-employed. So you have to have other sources of income. Yeah. yeah. So 
So what kind of alternative sources are you recommending for your clients? Because I'm thinking, hmm, you know, I bet like I'm, I know there's lots of coaches and lots of healers listening to this. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's relevant well, to them too. <laughs> um, in, in my book, um, I went to detail. There's three sources of income. There's always going to be um, ordinary earned. So as long as you're supplying services to someone, that's going to be one bucket. And that's going to be, that can be taxed all the way up to 40% in the United States. Again. Um, then there's going to be investment income and that's coming from your investment. So if you have real estate, um, maybe you have money in the stock market and then there's going to be passive income and passive income is taxed the least. Um, that's when you develop your own brand and you can do things like, um, write a book. So the royalties are considered, uh, or no, if you write a book and then it is then reprinted in other languages, like you've licensed it out, the money generated is passive income. So what I've been advising a lot of people who are self-employed or entrepreneurs is to think of your career in terms of building your own brand. Hmm. Get it protected, like copyright, trademark your own brand. But you yourself, you have a unique voice. You have a unique contribution to your industry, to the world, to your consumers. So rightfully so, you can think of yourself as a brand. Now, once you have that protected asset, then you can put it onto books. You can put it onto product. You can put out videos, have classes, have webinars, and start developing more passive sources of income. So if you were right to write a book um, and put your voice out there onto paper and you can sell it, you don't always have to be selling and people can just go onto Amazon or Audible and then you get you generate revenue. You could do speaking engagements. That would be more laborious, yes, because you're talking, but the product itself is a book. Um, if you have a webinar where people can take classes, you just have to create that webinar and have it um, more self-study so mm-hmm. people can enroll in themselves, get certifications, understand what you are coming from, but you yourself don't have to physically be there. Um, yeah, and, and merchandising and all, all going into that whole realm, but different, putting your name on stuff, <laughs> on actual tangible stuff yes. yeah. that you can sell. Yeah, and that could be applied to anybody. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people segue, I've seen celebrities segue into things like cookbooks mm. or having their items on household goods sold at the local department store, um, that way. Yeah. ends up being being a, a whole branding effort and i think it, it makes sense also to to th- start thinking about that sort of stuff like early on you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. absolutely because i think it's something that normally it, <laughs> well normally like at least in my case <laughs> it only it only occurred to me when i was basically you know when I had my tongue hang out because I was so exhausted running on a hamster wheel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I started my sewing business like, oh, how hard could it be? I just make a skirt and find somebody to buy it. You know, well, yeah. in a sense, well, yes, that worked. But then also, you know, well, if you have one client too, that's cool. But like if you have, if you basically get what you asked for, you know, to have your full client roster, you right. know, then, then you're hustling. You know, then you're yeah. running like on a hamster wheel. And, it's, yeah. and I think if I look back, thinking like that was probably my biggest mistake to mm-hmm. not to sort of be so focused on getting what I wanted to have this sort of full functioning um, sewing studio that I didn't mm-hmm. even realize how I built myself this hamster wheel. And then it took me a long time to get off. 
because mm-hmm. then you've like you kind of have to keep running to keep thinking on yeah it. you know and yeah. i'm thinking if i started like you know starting over it was like oh you know i'm not gonna do that again <laughs> you know? yeah it, it gets it gets exhausting um also in my book uh, um it, it goes into detail and explain the benefits of having investments so yes. e- even in the in the basic of terms this is how the stock market works. This is how compounded interest works. This is uh, what you should look for in any type of investments. This is oh, there's four categories of investments. There's paper. There's real estate. There's business. And so, getting that person to understand how um, an, an investment portfolio can really benefit in the case that you find yourself in a life situation, you have to change careers. You have to relocate. You have to liquidate something in order to have income. So, taking that. Um, or safeguarding yourself from any type of financial situation where you actually need that extra income, um, you have investments available. And so that you can focus most of your energy on being creative and contribution. You have your, you have a net that you can fall back on. Um, I advise that for anyone in any industry have something you can fall back on. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, teaching people to think about those things early because I think there's mm-hmm. so many times like, Oh yeah, but you know, I'm just starting out. Like I'm not making enough to even think. Yeah. You know, and I think to actually have that on your radar right from the start. Exactly. As starting, starting early thinking where you want to be. And I'm advising people even to think about where you're going to be close to retirement. When do you want to retire? You can always retire early too, by the way. We don't have to wait until like six or seven years old, okay? Um, but also uh, using time uh, um, in your best interest, okay? Start accumulating, using that compound interest also. Um, but on top of that, getting yourself out of that scarcity mindset that, um, I can only earn X amount if I were to place this much effort and I have to save and I have to do all of these things where if you were to shift your mindset from scarcity to abundance, you would see you have so many more opportunities and so many wonderful people you can work with and partner up with. Um, and having that abundant mindset that you can be wealthy and having those affirmations, things, doors naturally start opening up for your career. You can do this, you can, you can do that, and you can take one creative aspect and suddenly it just blows up and you become a brand. So, yeah, changing from, from scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, that's, it, takes, it takes conscious effort to do it, yeah, but I mean, it results that. into a lot. Constant affirmations. I have a weird thing to do. <laughs> I, have a weird thing to, I love Audible. Um, but um, a lot of it happens in our subconscious. A lot of it happens to, we don't even know that we're thinking that way. So as of this year, I've actually um, fallen asleep with uh, my earbuds in and I put a book on that actually just reads to me uh, positive affirmations. So it actually sinks in while I'm dreaming. I got that tip. I don't know which psychotherapist I was reading, but she says a lot of our behaviors are, uh, occur from our subconscious mind. So if you were actually to put in actual work and start uh, addressing your subconsciousness, um, you're going to start seeing a shift in your whole being, in your ontological um, outlook. Um, so I started doing that, and you know what? It works. <laughs> yeah, it makes I, perfect I, sense. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a happier person. I'm a more positive person, and um, I'm a successful person. Um, shifting also is branching out and just taking that risk of going into the unknown start taking classes about stuff you don't know i mean i started taking classes um 
about business and, and, and more finance. But then I started taking tax, uh, uh, reading books about um, tax taxes and wealth accumulation into retirement. You don't really learn that in business school. So I had to be proactive and take, just read a book on something that I didn't know. And it opened the world for me. Started looking at different books on law of attraction in relation to money. I didn't know anything about that until I started going into topics that I don't know. So all I knew was the, um, the strictest form of business education and then kinesiology, but started to take my own education in my own hands and started mm. picking up books and looking into things that I don't know about, my own curiosity. Yeah. Oh, man, my world opened up real big. <laughs> now everything is significantly abundant. I could see how other people think and I can incorporate it in my own strategies. Yeah, that yeah. makes so much sense. So what's next for you? Where are you headed? Where I'm headed? Uh, I want to book more podcasts. I cannot wait for um, my Audible version to come out. Um, I have um, a self-study course on my website. I'll eventually get a whole webinar series, um, and then I'll eventually start doing public speaking and actually, and actually doing hands-on uh, workshops. All of those educational resources, um, I intend to have them certified by the national board, uh, one of the national boards called National Academy of Sports Medicine. We, in, in our industry, you have to keep taking classes in order to renew your certification every two years, and you have to turn them in. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to be one of those uh, accredited providers. Um, what I also have, I'd love to actually do the speaking engagements. My other startups are taking off, you know, at light speed. Um, but the more that I talk to specifically people who are just entering in the industry, that gives me the most joy. I was just recently mentoring um, a 19-year-old who had tons of questions about um, what can she do? Uh, what's the difference between corporate wellness and commercial gyms and doesn't matter what kind of college because she's going to a community college she said I haven't even enrolled myself in a four-year college does it really matter I'm really scared and so having that one hour with a very young mind and I could see myself in them going man if I could go back in time here's everything you need to know <laughs> but the one-on-one -on -one interaction and just being uh, philanthropic and altruistic and helpful to someone that that reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm talking and saying the things I say so that's fun I love it Oh, that sounds yeah that sounds fabulous and and it is really about that human connection i mean you wouldn't be even in that whole industry if that's not something that's close to your heart exactly exactly yes so where can people go find you find out um, about your work about your course about where, where can you where can you get the book i mean yeah say, say, oh. that, say that title again <laughs> <laughs> for the for the fit but poor personal trainer, a guy on how to make money, not muscle, grow. Um, that's available on Amazon. In uh, uh, close by the end of October, um, it'll be available on Audible too. Um, my website is www.coachnellytoriano.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I talk all the time, and I love meeting new people. Connect, connect with me. Send me a friend request. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but. Find me under Coach Nelly Toriano. Fabulous, fabulous. Obviously, I'll put all that in show notes, but sometimes, you know, when people just listen, I always like that it's actually set out, you know, like yes. as well. So it's easy to find you. Well, thank Absolutely. you so much for coming. I was just thank so you. inspiring. There were so many golden nuggets in there. And I'm thank very you. happy you came. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time. Thank you. I'll right. speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Passion Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, 
don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next one.